Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Mind Yourself podcast, uh, episode three of our new series on uh, mental health and technology. So today, uh, myself and Christy are going to have a quick chat, or I think, Christy, you know, I think it'd be good for us to have a good chat about um, how we see uh, technology developing in the mental health space. And I think even kind of looking into the pros and cons of some of the different tools and um features and capabilities that technology is offering that basically allow us to kind of address our mental health but also helping people live um better and happier so um mm. i don't know where to start maybe <laughs> we should start the first thing that comes to mind when i think uh, mental health is um all the apps that are coming out i don't know what you think about uh all the all the new apps headspace cam and, and some of these new ones that are coming out and how they're helping people address it i know they're only small aspects of it but i'm sure you'll be able to explain what i mean by that yeah, um, I, t- to be honest, this is a funny one because I don't really know what my opinion on all the apps are. Like, there's so many apps and they're constantly coming out, so it's hard to keep track of. Like, the go-to is, I suppose. Do you are, have any, actually? Sorry? Do you have any apps yourself? Do you use any? Yeah, I use I use Headspace, um, not consistently but now and again i think it's good to have so apps are kind of i see them like tools in your pocket essentially so it's good to basically it kind of motivates you more to do it um connor lynn and uc would point out um because no he entered in this um would be like the important gamification in an app that if it's if it's made into a game you're more likely to engage but i think a lot of these i think a big problem with them is it's kind of being like you should do this and this is how you do it but just because telling you to doesn't mean i have to i i think another problem as well is so many of these apps aren't doing it's not anything they're just basically um seeing that oh these are show this and this is oh, this must work. Oh, it's not direct from what it is it's fun you feel better or worse in regards to your mental health day to day it's nice to see how there's obviously limits to what apps can do in relation to directly tracking you and obviously as we know with what Bree said previously on the podcast that even these tracker features aren't always that effective it's nice I think to see that apps do their best to give you the tools and how you be able to model yourself based on your, how you feel because you can only be you are the best judge of yourself and that's a, even a giant step over from just pure content that you're engaging with it's actually giving you insights which i think is a huge skill uh, yeah i i i would all say that it's these marketers are kind of changing to and it's because and for the society can be more conscious which is fantastic but then you do have the problem then that the marketer is in before the expert so you'll see with, with apps often that basically They'll market the shit out of it. It'll be it'll see come across as unreal. They'll make all of these claims, and then once they start selling it, then they get in the um the like the clinical team basically to 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 validate what they're saying. They'll pay somebody enough money, like an expert, to basically just confirm isn't this true, and then they'll say yeah, and 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 that's the thing. And I suppose there is a moral responsibility of these companies, even though I would say, obviously. To them, to a lot of the money is more important, but to many of them, it'll just be basic. They have more responsibility that what they're actually trying to do is helping people. Um, but then I suppose it goes with saying, sorry, it sounds like I'm having an argument with myself. <laughs> um, it, it goes without saying that like, um, these companies, like, even though they're not aware, like what they're actually selling could benefit somebody in a different way. Like, for example, 
like the Fitbit and we were calling out like its ability to measure sleep. Like maybe it's not good at measuring sleep, but maybe it is making people more conscious that my sleep is important. Do you know? So I suppose like, yeah, looking at the big picture, these um health apps are generally beneficial, but it's just sometimes mm. they can obviously have negative impact. Mm. And I mean, I suppose what like the struggle with research combining the the speed of technology and then the validity of research is that naturally the only way for research to be valid is it takes time and it's a process. It could take a long time and technology changing all the time. So to try and match those two things is all, is quite difficult. So I suppose it's probably an element of a happy medium between the two to sort of combine mm. research and maybe short term, medium term research in the early stages. And then while parallel doing a more longer term study to justify what you're doing. And I mean, that's kind of what we're doing, I suppose, with Modus a bit. I, 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 I suppose the way you do it is you basically look at what the research that's there right now, and then you base your product off the research that's there now. And then you do the long term research afterwards, because like the danger of that is um, I know we're going to be talking a lot more about this in our in our next podcast together. But um, there was a massive explosion in the early 2000s of uh, technology for children under the age of two. Basically, like all of these videos, um, these videos that basically were were claiming that children could learn language quicker um, under the age of two if they watched these videos. But like there, there was absolutely no evidence of that. It was just an assumption and what ended up happening then is research ended up proving that they actually had a decline in their development because these children like interacting with somebody in person and looking at a screen are two very different things. And it actually had a negative impact on development. And this is what I'm referring to. And I, okay. I know you're going to say it's the it's the researcher in me again, but like that is the truth that there can be negative impacts if you're making assumptions about something, particularly health before um you have any data on it um it's really really important you don't manipulate data either like try to basically paraphrase it in the way that you i want it so you can sell more that's the danger i would have that makes mm. i suppose i suppose society is becoming a little bit more probably woke to um to I hate that term, but I suppose it kind of fits where people are a little bit more aware as to, you know, where does their food come from? You know, what is the research behind what they're doing? I think people are trying to be a little bit more educated about how we consume, although we are obviously increasing in consumption. So if anything, that hopefully that that improves. And I think you see companies under more pressure to back up um, that the research and back up the the claims they're making a lot more than probably previously. Um, yeah, which is. And another thing, actually, that I read about recently, which I don't know whether you've heard about it, but I thought it was cool. It's new to me. It's something I'd love to dig into in more detail is around uh, how they're now starting to use virtual reality for therapy sessions um, to help build coping mechanisms by putting people who've suffered PTSD in certain circumstances due to anxiety, depression or whatever it is, and putting them into scenarios that um, allow them to kind of put them in stressful situations to allow them to develop those coping mechanisms in a safe environment, be it at home or be it in some sort of uh, therapy center to then allow them to kind of better able to live day to day in the real world. And I thought it was a really cool study. I have, I didn't get to read a lot about it, but hearing this is how they're applying certain technology. It, it seems quite exciting. I don't know. Have you heard um, or even read anything about that? Yeah, yeah. There, there's actually, there's a lot of evidence of the success of this. Um, I would say, 
it is PTSD um, treatment with virtual reality and then also um, psilocybin, the psychedelic drugs. I think they're the two hottest research topics at the moment. Um, but yeah, vir- virtual reality is fantastic for that because it's so... Re- I don't know, have you ever used Oculus or any of the virtual reality? I've never used Oculus. I, we have, we have, I remember trying um, the Microsoft HoloLens once at an event um, and it was something similar. And it, it, the, the way they branded that at the time was a lot around uh, advancing medical research because you could actually do a lot of experiments in an environment that didn't, was a lot more cost effective because you didn't have to actually use real bodies or, you know, real actually equipment. So I remember at the time thinking that was very clever, but I suppose this is just a different application of, you know, saving the cost of a real environment or the stress of a real environment and being able to control it a lot more. Um, this Have you used Oculus? Uh, I've, I've used virtual reality, not Oculus either, but uh, it's just so real. But I, I think one, t- one good thing that will come out of virtual reality, and I think this is an interesting concept, is that virtual reality basically makes online physically different a different environment, if that makes sense. Because um, I know there's arguments among psychologists about this, but like how I would see it is that online, even when you're on, let's say, social media, you're actually in another place. Like you're not your attention isn't around your present. So your attention is actually in a different place. Um and every psychologist knows that people change their behavior when they're in a new environment, which I think opens up the door and explains why people are so different online compared to um, in person. Um, but I think virtual reality basically mm. will solidify that awareness that basically when you go into a virtual reality, you're not in reality. But I think people will start to realize that this is the exact same. Thing. Yeah, true. But then it's the scary thing is you see those um, you see those episodes of things like Black Mirror where people are in virtual reality and yet think they're in reality or they live virtuality so real that they become to think it's more real than reality. That that's the scary thing, I suppose, in one sense. Um, yeah, sure. Is how real virtuality gets. What's stopping people from ever coming back into reality if their virtual reality is better than their reality? <laughs> Exactly. Well, I suppose exactly. the one, and that's the scary thing. The one thing is you need to eat. So you have to leave, you know? <laughs> um This is a simple yeah, <laughs> true. But then of course there's dangers then like um I know like virtual reality pornography is going to be uh I'd say one of the richest industries ever because and that's a real issue because it's so real that and because pornography is so addictive as well, what what is stopping people ever coming out of that and just completely becoming dysfunctional as well? Um, so again, there's the positive, but again, there's the negative. So you're saying it? So you're saying you're recommending if someone looking for a quick book to get into the VR uh, pornography <laughs> space? I'd say I'd say people are already ahead of it. To be honest, I'd say the the industry leaders are already <laughs> like, and I wouldn't be surprised. Like, it, Oculus are they a private company? Actually, here's the thing. Oculus are actually owned by Facebook. Yeah, of course so, they are. Of course they are. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, like what's, do you know, like if there's money to be made there, I don't see why, why they wouldn't, do you know? Yeah, I think, I think what's, what, what's, what is interesting is, I suppose, um, 
like virtual reality, augmented reality, all those kind of things came onto the scene quite a while ago now. Like being honest, like in the technology sphere, it's not like virtual reality and augmented reality have been around a while, quite a while. I remember playing on the like the old um, Nintendo DS, I think it was, where you could like have so like the. I think my sister had that game. It was the Own Your Own Pet. I can't remember what it was called. Like, but she could like have like have augmented reality where it looked like the pet was in the room, like through the device or whatever. And it, like so that that kind of technology existed well. But I think what's what's been slow is the application of it like we haven't seen i suppose maybe applications like this are are where it is and i think that's what excites me because it's actually been in technology i've been very interested in but also struggled to figure out where it would fit or where it's actually useful day to day because it's not like we're all like i couldn't envisage a world we're all walking around with headsets on 24 7 so what are the applications that it works maybe things like gaming i suppose yeah i i suppose it's it's probably as the technology gets better it gets used in those industries or spaces where either up to this point video footage isn't sufficient you know pornography is an example or um things like uh industries where like it's quite costly to do experiments be it like medical be it like you know i suppose actually formula one driving or anything where it's a very cost effective a very costly industry to actually do it for real if they can make it as real as possible in a virtual environment then that's probably a, a strong application. But in this case, it's actually nice because for the person who's in therapy, they have the safety or the safety net of knowing they're not actually in that environment for real. So it's the freedom to learn and develop those coping mechanisms without the fear of having to be in it for real until the moment that they feel comfortable, which I, I suppose is a strong, uh, is a, str- a strength if that's, if companies continue to try and ap- apply that to the, to the mental health uh, uh, space. Mm, yeah. It's, See, it's just like everything, anytime we talk about technology, it's always going to be the same thing that, yes, there's so many positives to it, but then there's always so many dangers to it. And if the wrong people get the hands on, you know, let's say virtual reality, it's, it's, it goes full black mirror then like. <laughs> yeah, but I suppose that's the same with everything. Like, it, it, aren't we, mm. the problem is, and it, I mean, that's probably, that's why our industry exists. That's why we, there's so much research into mental health. It's like, as much as we try to, you know, limit our faults or develop technology and technology obviously is just a term that refers to anything that's new and inventive. So it's not like it's just digital technology. It's anything. It's been yeah. since the dawn of time, there's been new technology for the wheel was a new technology at one point, you, but I so, suppose it. Sorry to interrupt you. Um, you see the, the, the issue with this though, it's different because like, let's say anything, any field that's based on science, um, is basically monitored by research like you need to prove something by research before you do it but technology is different because technology has the ability to surpass um research to surpass even the government like like you look at the likes of facebook and twitter now don't like they're essentially running their own empire essentially and there's nobody to tell them to do different like we obviously all saw like the Zuckerberg interview mm. with the um with the US government like it you know like technology is moving so quickly and there is no constraints on it so when i say like the wrong people get their hands on it it's the fact that you know if let's say somebody in like chemistry or something ended up basically 
could take advantage of something. They can't, though, because they're still restricted by science. They need to prove that something is beneficial for in order for, for you to do it. Like, they're not going to get grants and stuff. But with technology, anybody yeah. can create anything. And I think that ambiguity is a bit scary. And is that is that just because you said there's no constraints? Is it because technology has just grown too fast for yes. constraints to have been developed yes. to slow it down exactly. or to control it. Is that the point? Yeah. And again, I'm going to talk about this in our next conversation, but like a prime example is, and I find it so strange that it's not brought up enough, is the fact that there is a law that children under a certain age aren't allowed on social media, but everybody's like, it's grand. <laughs> like that, that, that to me is so strange. Like, imagine if that was the same case with with, with alcohol, for example. <laughs> yeah, that's like, true. If everybody was just like, ah, it's okay, you know, like permanently for yeah. everyone. Like, it's just, and I know the excuses. You can't monitor it, but you know, there's no punishment for breaking that or for being caught or whatever. You just basically are told you have to shut down yeah. your account and then you just make another one. You know. Um. Yeah, but we're gonna talk more about that. But that's when, like, if your parents were like, if your parents were like. If your parents are like, yeah, just get in a car and drive. You don't need a license, whatever. Yeah. Like your parents would be put to jail. Like <laughs> Exactly. And uh, you'll have people then saying it's not the same thing, but it kind of is because there's so many dangers online or on like social media that uh, they could be exposed to the wrong thing. They could be exposed to something extremely dangerous. But again, like you said, technology has moved so fast that everything around it hasn't kept up. Um, Like if you think the difference between the year like when we were maybe 10 like like the 2000s to now like it's absolutely crazy yeah. how quickly uh society is de- yeah. how quickly technology has developed and like i don't think anything has ever moved this fast so it's just a bit scary <laughs> so i kind of look at it uh, and this is like a really like uh for anyone who's not a football fan they won't get it but i like technology for the world with how they create their own rules is like how psg and man city have like rewritten the rules for football they've become too big too fast that no one can stop them or control them yeah. so it doesn't really matter like you know when you look at like financial fair play and all those things well, that can't it, stop even those rich it, clubs it's, controlling the game and that's the game it's related because it's money again like so man your man city and your psg they've had so much money that basically they can kind of do what they want and technology has become so profitable for i would say the 100 percent the main reason and i don't, i think anybody who disagrees is it's wrong well uh it's because technology is so addictive um and that's the big big danger of it that we basically can't let uh like we can't leave our phones down for a long period of time so that's where the money is that's where the profit is and when you have more money you can create more things to make it more addictive and you know the circle goes on and on sorry very 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 uh pessimistic view but ironically it's psychologists and people who understand us more than anything who are the ones who are the helped a lot of these technology companies develop this i mean you had to take a psychology like psychology research to be able to figure out how to like make it addictive but yeah. i suppose we could go on a tangent on like the, the you know all that kind of stuff and where 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 that went yeah i i um i can actually this is probably the one bit of science i can give you in this chat um is like why okay social media is so addictive because i don't think people are aware so this is common knowledge i'm sure you're aware of this that basically research has found that anytime you get a notification you get um, a release of dopamine. Dopamine is basically your motivation uh, hormone. So that basically 
when you get a notification, you have a sudden urge to look at it straight away because you get a little dopamine rush and then that makes you look at it more because you continuously want that dopamine rush. I think most people know that. Um, but what I don't think people know is, and this is really, really cool research, is that they didn't, this wasn't for technology, but neuroscientists have basically found that there's a big, big link between dopamine and this kind of seeking system in the brain. So what I mean by this is um, people are rewarded for searching their environment. So for being curious, for example. So you'll notice this with children. When children are very young, they will like be curious. They will check out their environment. They'll randomly put stuff in their mouth. They'll pick up stuff. They'll do stuff like that. And there's an evolutionary basis to this. We needed to explore okay. our like environment in order to um, to understand it better. And so there's a close link between this okay, dopamine yeah. and this seeking system in our brain. So what this means is when we're getting those uh, hits of dopamine, when we get notifications, let's say when we get a like on a picture, that seeking system is very, very active. And so what we want to do is we want to seek out that environment more. And so that environment, and this is when it sounds strange because you're calling your phone your environment, but it is an environment. It's a completely different entity, essentially. So when you're basically getting that dopamine hit, you're more likely to scroll as a result because you don't want to have to wait for the next dopamine hit. Um, to, um, you want to see the next notification come up straight away. So what's happening there is the notifications are basically releasing dopamine in your brain and that dopamine then it's activating that seeking system. So you constantly, constantly want to look at that environment. So what you end up doing then is you end up scrolling on your phone. And that is why technology and particularly social media is so addictive. It's basically got that off to a T that when you are being rewarded for posting something, you want to scroll. And when you want to scroll, of course... That is you giving up your data, your time, your attention, and that attention is worth more money than anything else I think in the world at the moment. Does that make sense? Yes, <laughs> it's a it's a lot though. It's 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 interesting. It, it, what's scary is the 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 psychological process behind something that seems so simple, mm. and therefore is quite frightening. How ultimately how powerful that is. I mean, what's scary is that if you ask most people, they know. In the heart of hearts, they admit that they do get a you know a good feeling when there's a like on a post or whatever, or a comment or a message or whatever. And what's scary is, as you describe it, the psychological process behind it that it's impossible to avoid. It's mm -hmm. designed to a T to appeal to our most reptilian, like you know, mental features, and and that's scary. It goes beyond our you know the ability for us to consciously decide whether we engage with social media or not it goes beyond that it goes deep into our consciousness where it knows what triggers us and it's very hard to avoid have you have you seen the statistics on the amount of times you check your phone for example a day or like the amount of times that people on average check their like anytime i see, I've well i get my own one you know you get your own one on your phone that tells yeah. you your it How it absolutely terrifies me though because yeah. you're you're 100%. Like imagine if you were to count every day yourself how many times. You you definitely lose count. Because when you look back on it you definitely say to yourself I haven't looked at this that much. 
which you have. And that, that that's the biggest issue that basically we're unconsciously yeah. doing it. And then the other thing is people will argue that they have the self-control, but they don't because it's unconscious. You can't have self-control on unconscious processes. So what ends up happening basically is you're telling yourself, yeah. I don't need to set a limit or I don't need these tools to stop me going on my phone for so long. But you do because you're doing it so often that you're not even aware of it. And that's um, that's the big, big problem that people think they're more in control of it than they actually are. They don't know how addictive it actually is. Yeah. And that is scary when you break it down. And that's why the people behind these applications, okay, we can argue for days as to where their moral compass is. But when it comes to, if you're just to judge the effectiveness of the applications they've built, Mm. you can't help but say they're, they know they're, genius is a difficult term to say, but they're, 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 they're very effective and very smart with what they've developed for the purpose of what they hoped it to perform. Um, and it's scary how if this already, and we said like, you know, technology has crazily moved on a lot from when we even, you know, 10 years ago, Mm. 15 years ago. But if this is still only the early stage of what technology can do, fast forward to another 15 years and building on other triggers within us, how, how powerful or how much control can a technology platform or service actually have on society? That's that's probably the scary thing because that's just one aspect of it that co- that uh, that uh, trigger with um, likes and messages. I'm sure there's a lot more. Like this is the other thing that you mentioned that uh, that we were talking about that technology hasn't caught up is this idea. Like go back to the point I made that basically like social media is another environment. You're basically in your phone looking through different things. But like imagine if I said to mm. you now. <laughs> I can put you in a new environment and strangers are allowed mm-hmm. to watch you and influence what you do. Like you're, you're literally in a modern day Truman show and like that is completely unethical, but because it's in your pocket, it's fine. <laughs> like that, that that's because so there's that false sense of control. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 Sorry, we're starting to sound like conspiracy yeah. theorists now, and- but... <laughs> I know, yeah, yeah, no, no, I'm just going to get out my tinfoil hat now. <laughs> it's the but truth, no, though. What I was going to say, though, but though, when we talk about the, some of the pros of technology, almost, to counteract the negatives of it, and I mean, just to be play devil's advocate, I mean, you mentioned it yourself. We, we say we have control. I won't look at my phone that many times in the day. But technology does give us some tools and applications that allow us to limit or block us or prevent us from overdoing it on our exposure to our phone and there are some things that actually you know might be highlighted as much might be promoted as much but are just as important in relation to how we engage because it's not going to go away so the tools and processes there to allow us to manage because as we've mentioned we can't do it ourselves consciously um are things that maybe we should consider using a lot more often do you think like so the one that comes to mind straight away is if you're familiar with is a tree or grow the one basically where uh, like flowers and trees start growing the longer you don't go near your phone. Um, I think it's called tree or grow one or the other. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Like, yeah, I've seen heard of that one. So. So, yeah. So they're fantastic. But what's your opinion? Do you think that's common knowledge that those apps are out? I think it's not common knowledge or it, it kind of is that unknown common knowledge. But again, it comes down to the people going, I can do it myself. So then there's probably the argument you'd have to say is that why we should take the decision out of the hands of people and say, look, 
actually um, this is a necessity to use technology. We talk about how technology companies should, I know it's all about making money, but there's also an element of social responsibility. The power that they have now, that should be embedded into the experience in relation to restricting when hopefully science and research catches up and starts to talk about more broadly these are the dangers of this much exposure technology and these are now the boundaries we're going to start placing on it based on our research they are now the, those boundaries are now maintained by certain tools and blockers that you know potentially people could start using but i think the problem is that people genuinely think they can control how much they use their phone yeah and i i think that goes back to the problem there is um we always it always ends on this but is education now i don't think people are educated enough how addictive technology is i i think they're told basically about the pros of technology and the cons but they fail to mention that oh yeah and this technology is incredibly addictive and if you don't basically plan out how you're going to manage your time on it it will start taking over your life and that's what's not pushed enough i don't think and that's where like anybody can improve on um like again i know we're going to talk more about basically how to manage it with your children but um but i think that's the best thing you can do is make them aware that it's so addictive and it's not even under our control and this is their social media company's jobs to make it addictive to make it more and what i don't know whether you've maybe read this through some of the studies around addiction but do you know how social media technology compares from an addictive level and i don't even know if that's even possible to study addictive level because i'm sure it is very much um depends on the person and their tendencies but compared to your standard um uh, addictive things such as cigarettes alcohol pornography no you know all these things it's the exact same thing um I can't think of the researcher now but there was a study done and they have found that gaming and technology um, activate the same brain areas as addiction to alcohol and drugs and cigarettes. It's the exact same thing. And that's why you'll start to see now, if you go online and look up a rehab center, the majority of the rehab centers now include technology and gaming um, as like addictive. Um, There are also... On the DSM, so the Diagnostic Statistical Manual in America, the one that all psychiatrists and psychologists use to diagnose, um, I think gaming uh, gaming addiction's on it, but internet addiction isn't yet. Um, and I know of people as well that have had to have uh, treatment as well for addiction to online shopping as well. Like that's not that's that that sounds like something from like desperate housewives or something but it's a big big issue because again think about 10 years ago and think about now how easy it is to purchase something your phone or your phone or your laptop can literally save your card details so that when you go on a shopping website the only thing you have to do is press maybe three or four buttons and it's bought um and that's the other issue again like that there's so many aspects of technology that people aren't even aware of that are addictive. yeah but that one click buying feature that actual capability in amazon is patented i think by amazon i think that literal piece of technology that amazon developed was one of the most profitable pieces of technology they ever developed because it allowed people to buy within one click mm. yeah yeah that kind of terrifies but <laughs> It is kind of terrifying. <laughs> yeah, Jeff Bezos and all his uh, all his power uh, shooting up to space. <laughs> but no, to be fair though, 
I don't, I don't want this to be like, you know, it's not all doom and gloom. Like even like I was thinking about social media and we spoke, we speak about it a lot um, about, you know, the benefits of social media from one's perspective, but also the fact that it's not going to go away. So what we're trying to do obviously is find answers to these issues or at least solutions to what these problems are. But there aren't like, I think, I think for sure. I mean, I can say during the pandemic, you know, being stuck inside, um, a perfect example was I actually got COVID uh, um, uh, earlier in the summer and being stuck inside um, the ability to be able to order food and talk to my friends and all these things. And obviously, like we were all like that probably only, you know, a year ago when we were fully stuck inside um, at the early part of the pandemic when it was quite uh, serious. And then being thrown back into that environment, being in lockdown, I realized all the benefits of having social media and, and technology, you know, like, like talking to friends and family was huge. Um, loneliness was a big thing. And I was reading actually that as some, some studies have shown that the anonymity, although we always talk about anonymity on social media being a bad thing, and that comes back to that cancel culture or the abuse that we've seen both, you know, for some of the football players from England during the, uh, the Euros or other things. Um, the anonymity for people to be able to express themselves and um, some studies have shown has been quite um, a good stress reliever for some people who want to express themselves in certain ways, you know, say certain things, engage in certain things without the, without the fear of being judged or people kind of, you know, giving opinions on certain things they want, they're, they're expressing. I don't know whether you think, you know, looking at an anonymity on a positive side, not just a negative side. I, I, I thought it was an interesting take. Mm. Um. <laughs> You see, it's the same thing again now, like with each of the points you made, I completely agree, like like to put it like to completely summarize it, I suppose what technology is doing is it's making our lives easier, undoubtedly. But again, there are negatives to everything you've just said, like, for example, like benefits social media is that allows people from anywhere in the world with specific interests to connect. So, for example, that means a person from Japan and a person from South Africa can connect through their love of knitting by setting up a Facebook group. That's fantastic. But then <laughs> there's also the issue that yeah. the biggest one of the biggest dangers of social media is that it allows people to connect from anywhere in the world with specific interests. So, for example, a pedophile from France can set up a Facebook group and connect with a pedophile from Brazil. And that's an issue again. And... Because what's happening is you're creating an environment <laughs> okay, where okay. where deviant okay. thoughts, beliefs, ideas are validated. And that's one big, big issue that I think is for another podcast that because we can talk about it all day is that like technology has grown alongside this free speech idea and that everybody's entitled to an opinion, no matter how stupid the opinion is. Um, and that that's an issue again. And then what you were talking about, the on, on yeah, the and uh, I can never yeah. say that word, anonymity, <laughs> um, is like, yes, of course, that can be helpful <laughs> for people to express themselves. But then, of course, you have cyberbullying and uh, trolls. So, you know, like it. Yeah. So the, the point I'm making here, I'm not trying for every to be positive. There's a negative. Yeah. I, 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 I'm not trying to be pessimistic about technology and stuff, but I think you were saying you were trying to uh, find a solution. I think the solution to technology and what we're trying to do here is trying to identify every single danger of technology and then basically educating people on that because there's a lot of them. So because if you're aware of it, mm. that's how you can mm. change it. But the problem is technology is moving so fa so fast and there's new dangers appearing all of the time 
The people aren't educated on what what's happening, so they're falling for dangerous situations. And like I think a perfect example of that is the data privacy thing. Like nobody knew what data like what data privacy was like ten years ago. And that's only been highlighted in recent years. Yeah. And now people obviously it's a lot better. But it's still not perfect because people still aren't interested in understanding like they don't read the um, the terms and conditions still, even if it's shorter and stuff. So like what we're trying to do here, I think, is basically highlight the dangers in a simplistic way as possible. Right. Saying that? What you, what, what's interesting about, you know, how we identify all those dangers, like each one of those dangers and the danger social media and try and identify them all so you can educate people how to you know, avoid them or prepare for them. What's funny is that for every danger you identify we've been identifying positives to bounce off those dangers so for nearly everything that's good about it there's something almost like mirror image that's bad for it like even i was thinking when you mentioned about you know the dangers of this you know freedom of speech and you know even when people give stupid ideas um you know it's a bad thing i was saying like how like if you know if you educate kids you know and i think one of the biggest things we think of social media is around um influencers um and this just kind of wrap it up when we talk about influencers, we think, you know, there's a lot of them that are good, but then a lot of them that are, you know, come on with information that is bullshit and is backed up by no research. But positive influencers with actual kind of relevant skills and knowledge um, offer that kind of motivational tool or inspiration for people to learn from and actually like kind of listen to. But the problem is, how do you identify which ones are positive, which ones are negative? And that comes back to your whole education piece. So I think... In summary, I think what we're saying is, as you said, it's not necessarily that this is all a bad thing and it's not that this is all a good thing either, but it's that we have the benefit of technology. It's giving us a platform to do a lot of really good, but the technology has gone so fast, the education and knowledge about how to use it properly hasn't caught up. And that's probably for us and for people listening to listen to how we're discussing it and going, how are we thinking about how we use technology and not just look at it in a bad way or good way, but look at it more in a critical way and critically analyze how you're using it and that comes down to then how then you in turn educate kids um but do you have anything else to add to that christy or what do you think no i i think basically like it's just pointing out um and i was kind of playing devil's advocate there making the neck every positive negative but um like that's the point because we constantly get as well we when we do our parent webinars and stuff we're constantly getting like it's all social media's fault and it's not like it's just not like like mental health issues for children particularly like it's just not that simple it's way more complicated like it's it's something that's new and so we need to learn to adapt to it but what's terrifying as well is that there's so many children on social media now and because it's been moving so fast schools can't keep up with it either so what's happening there is they're just not educating because they're afraid of miseducating. So as a result, they don't. And so children are basically on this, like social media technology has taken over children's lives, but it's never addressed basically like what's healthy and what's unhealthy online. And I think that really, really needs to be minimized. But it goes without saying that technology is a great thing. It's e- it's helped our lives. Mm. And like we'd be hypocrites if we said that it was mm. terrible. We wouldn't be able to do this podcast now if it wasn't for technology. Yeah. So it yeah. is like very, very important. It's great. Yeah. but we. I was literally just about to echo what you said. Like we would be total hypocrites if we were to say it's bad because we use it for everything we do. Social media, technology to do Skype and Zoom to do webinars or podcasts and apps and all these things. Um, we can't we can't say it's a bad thing, but it's just about educating and it's impacting everyone, not just kids, adults as well. Yeah. 
But I do think that the most vital population to target are children because children are the ones who are being most exposed to it and they're probably the ones that are being most targeted. And so I think that brings us perfectly on to what we're going to discuss after our next guest, which will be um, children and technology, basically how to parent technology, um, which I'm excited about. And I think it's important. Exactly. I think any parents and teachers listening will get massive benefit out of it. So hopefully it's a good. Yeah, which is which is what we want to do, which is what we've just said. Like there's the identifying the problems and then discussing possible solutions and and this this is this is this will be an opportunity for us to um sit down and kind of look at how parents and teachers can take the awareness of technology and its dangers and positives as well and um address them with kids so um i think i think that i think that's it for today i think what's nice is kind of what, what we'll ask everyone and i think the ask from us from this conversation is to actually sit down and think about it yourself for anyone who's listening or anyone you're talking to, your friends, your family, to actually be aware of the technology we're exposed to every day. Be aware of the social media platforms, the apps, the tools we use all the time. As you said, be aware your phone is an environment we spend so much of our time in. And it's scary when you look at the statistics on how much we spend in our phones. And so actually maybe just sit down and think a little bit more about how you're using it. And don't assume that you have the ability to manually control it yourself because as we've mentioned these applications these tools are so clever they actually are designed to be addictive and so you have to use what's around you use other applications to help you reduce and manage your usage but also be aware that there's lots of really positives to it so it is a balance um and there's lots of really good things it can do and technology is obviously enabling so much successful things as well so it's not all wrong but um as always guys um we want to thank you for listening um it's great to be back we did have a little bit of a long break um from the start of the year but it's good to be back and um debating a new kind of topic and looking at a new theme obviously this time technology and how it impacts mental health as always the links and some of the research christy mentioned um we'll put into the show notes um and please make sure to like share it with your friends find um the podcast in any of your preferred uh, podcast platforms um and make sure to, if you have any feedback or anything you want to say about topics you'd like us to address or questions you have, feel free to follow us on. I know it's, uh, it, it, it seems uh, ironic, but follow us on social media and we'll get your questions answered there or find us online. But um, thanks again, guys. Uh, we're looking forward to the rest of the interviews and conversations we have. And until next time, mind yourselves.